Good morning to you all. If we haven't met, my name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors here at this church. I would very much love to meet you. So please come up and say hi to me after the service. I'll be around out here, out there somewhere. I'll be easily found. We're continuing our look at some of the questions that Jesus asked this morning. And this, the question we're looking at this morning is, can a blind man lead a blind man? And uh, it's found in Luke chapter 6, and the, the context is the context of a sermon. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. Some of you know of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. There's a lot of overlap between those two sermons. And it's really helpful to understand what Jesus is, uh, is aiming at with this sermon. Some of you know, some of you might know the name Mike Matheny. Uh, Mike Matheny was a Major League Baseball player for a number of years and then circled back and was a, a manager in Major League Baseball players for the St. Louis Cardinals sometime later. And between those two, uh, you know, careers, he actually took some time and coached his son's youth baseball team. And as they were headed into their first season, he wrote a letter that later became famous. You can actually Google it and read it for yourself. It's called the Matheny Manifesto. And in that, he said, as we enter this first season, this is the way we're going to carry ourselves. This is what it looks like for a baseball team to carry itself with class. And we're going to teach these boys what that looks like. So this is the way we're going to interact with each other. And this is the way we're going to interact with the other team, including parents of the other team. He said, let it be known that there will be bad umpiring. This is youth baseball after a while. After all, there will be balls in the dirt that are called strikes. But this is the way we're going to interact with our umpires. It's the way we're going to treat each other. This is what our life together is going to look like, is what he was saying. There's a lot of wisdom in it. If you have a kid, if you're a parent... And have a kid playing youth sports, I'd encourage you to go ahead and read that. He is making strong declarations about what our life together is supposed to look like. And he just talked about what, how we're going to treat those who do not belong to the community of Jesus' followers. He says we're going to love them with an enduring love. And now the sermon is turning inward, and he is saying... He is speaking to how we're going to think and treat each other. And that's where he asks the question, can a blind man lead a blind man? Let's look together. This is an excerpt of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. Luke 6, chapter 37 through, or Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 42. Hear the word of the Lord. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, you spoke these words to your followers, and we are your gathered followers as well, sitting under them. And so I pray you would speak to us. You would help us to understand what you were calling us to and why it was so critical. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the humility and the courage to embrace it for ourselves. Would you help me, uh, your servant, to speak in a way that's helpful? Uh, Would you help me to be gentle with your people as you are gentle with us? And would you inflame our hearts with love for you and gratefulness for who you are and what you've done for us? Help me to love these friends well and to honor you with what I say. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if I were a betting man, uh, I'd be fairly comfortable saying, making the bet, making a sizable bet, that you've probably heard those words before. Uh, judge not, and, and you probably know them by the old King James Version, judge not, judge not, lest ye be judged. In a lot of ways, uh, those words are used in all kinds of different places. In some ways, you, it's become like the Magna Carta of American spirituality. In a lot of ways, just judge not, condemn not. Uh, and, and we like those words. Those are comforting words. Um, but for as comforting as they are, they can also lead to a fair amount of confusion, can they not? Uh, both in how those words square with reality, like uh, how can we be a part of a community that, uh, with, that doesn't have some kind of measure of moral seriousness? Like that's a real question we would ask when, uh, when we embrace those words. And, and the other question is, how do we square those words with the rest of the Bible? Uh, like, for example, uh, later on in this same sermon, Jesus says, almost in the same breath, he'll say, judge people by their fruit. Uh, or read the, the, the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul's first letter to Corinthians. He calls them over and over again to exercise sound moral judgment. Or you could look to the Old Testament, where we have a book called Judges and God's people are literal, God's leaders are literal judges that preside over the people. So what, what, is, what exactly is Jesus talking about when he says, judge not, lest ye be judged? And then I want to talk about why he calls us to it, why it's so critical for us. So what and why? First, what he's calling us to, sometimes that, 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 that first phrase, judge not lest ye be judged, can kind of cloud out uh, everything else that he's saying, he, he's actually calling us towards something and he's calling us away from something. There are two negatives, judge not lest you be judged, condemn not or you will be condemned. And then he says, forgive. There's a positive and then he says, give and it will be given to you. So he's, he's calling us uh, away from judgment and toward the practice of mercy. So withholding judgment and practicing mercy. That's what we see here. Um, But what kind of judgment is he talking about as he calls us away from that? Remember, there there are several clues in here that that help us understand what Jesus is talking about when he says, judge not. The first is that we have to remember he's talking to his people. He's he's talking to a crowd of his own disciples. 
Um, <clears throat> later, he will talk about, uh, later on in this particular passage, he talks about brothers, how we treat each other, removing specks from each other's eyes. He is talking about the ways that we assess each other. Uh, and, and sight is a prominent uh, theme in this passage. He says, can blind people lead, lead blind people? Uh, how, why would you remove a speck from somebody's eye without removing the log from your own? These are interpersonal sight lines that Jesus is talking about within the community of his people. He is talking about what you and I see when we see each other. And he is calling us to refrain from the dispositional need to size each other up according to our faults. He's talking about judging for the pleasure of judging. That's what he's calling us away from. That's what he's calling us to withhold when he says, judge not. And he's calling us toward the practice of mercy. Forgive and you will be forgiven. He's calling us to inhabit eyes of, earth, uh, eyes of mercy as we look at each other. Now, now, what Jesus is doing here is really quite interesting, I think, when you look at it. He is saying that the opposite of judgment isn't necessarily tolerance or moral flexibility. It's none of those things. Remember, Jesus is the one who said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. He's not eradicating the moral standards that God calls his people to. He's saying that the opposite of judgment is actually the practice of mercy. It's the embrace of mercy. And he is calling us to learn to develop the inclination even the instinct to see each other through the eyes of grace and mercy. So it's a fundamental call he puts on us as to how we might treat each other and how we might learn to see each other. Now, why is that? Because judgment or judgmentalism, if that's a word, is absolutely merciless. It sizes people up. It can impute motives to actions that may or may not be fair. It can, it can reduce each other to the worst form of ourselves. It's, it's like this deliberate refusal to see each other and all the complexity that we're made with, all the complexity that we think with and live with. It's this uh, reduced form of assessing each other in the least merciful in the most merciless way. Let me give you an example. This is a simple example. Uh, let's imagine that you are at work. I know not every, we got kids in here. I know not everybody here works, but just go with the example. Let's say you're at work and you have a, uh, a team. She is, uh, it, you notice, it's verifiable. You see this with your eyes. Is they, they are coming in late every day. And they are leaving early every day. And you are assessing these things. That's concrete truth. You see those things clearly for what it is. What's the judgmentalism that Jesus is speaking to? Well, they don't care about their work as much as you do. Or maybe they have bad habits in life. And maybe, maybe there's flaws in their character. It, do, do you see how like the eyes of judgment can just run wild in the most merciless way? That's what Jesus is speaking about. What do the eyes of mercy do in a situation like that? 
Well, they, they would think, well, what? I wonder if that person's okay. Or if there's some pressure in their life that they're experiencing. The eyes of mercy might want to move toward that person in love. And, and maybe, maybe there's a way that I can help. These, these are the distinctive differences that Jesus is speaking to in, in eyes of judgment versus eyes of mercy. Now, that's a simple example. And in a lot of ways, it's, a, it's kind of a cheap one. It's an easy one. But how are you going to apply that with people that you don't like very much? Or people that disagree with you on important things. Remember, Jesus isn't just talking about the people you work with. He's actually talking about the people that you worship with. He's talking about you and me. He's talking to his communi- a community of people who profess to follow him. He's talking about how you and I learn to see each other and how we treat each other and how we learn to look at each other. And so I think it's important that we just ask the question, why? Why is it so easy? Why is it such an, an inclination of the heart to size each other up? It is just, it's just about like the easiest thing for us to do. Why do we do that? Well, you know, we, I think we do it for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes I think it's a form of self-protection. Sometimes it's a way the... <laughs> The things I see most quickly in another person are actually my own greatest problems. <laughs> like I'm seeing them, I'm seeing them in them, and uh, and really it's my own struggle. I think sometimes the most judge, the people who fear judgment the most, are often the most judgmental in that way. Sometimes it's a way of letting ourselves off the hook by just a, some kind of form of comparison. Like we can say to ourselves, "At least I'm not that bad." But listen, it's easy to think about this in the abstract without actually dealing with the reality of the heart, the deep heart issue that Jesus is speaking to. Listen, he is speaking to this in a very powerful way. In verse 42, he calls it hypocrisy. And so I just want to ask you the question, what do you see when you look across the people in this room? How do, you, how do you measure these things? As people who agree with you, disagree with you, what do you see? Ask yourself the question. Or, or go home and ask each other the question. What do you see? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you size them up with the standards of mercy or the standards of judgment? What do you see? You know, these are important questions. They're evidently important to Jesus. There's a gravity, I think, behind these questions because according to Jesus, you see this in verse 37 and 38, uh, the standards that we apply to each other seem to affect, in some ways, the standards that are then applied to us. And this is where we get into why this is so critical for us to think about. Why, Why is this, why does he call us to this? Well, first, it's because we are a people. We are a people of mercy. Come a people of mercy. In verse 38, Jesus paints this beautiful, like almost sumptuous um, picture of the generous mercy that God gives to his people. Look at it again. Let let um, Let me read this to you again. Verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. What's he talking about? 
this is a grain metaphor. This is, a, this is an image of somebody buying grain at a marketplace. And you would go and you would either bring your bag or you would have your robe, which, you know, that's the putting the grain into the lap. And you would give them and say, give it to them and say, I want this amount of grain. I couldn't think, like, we don't buy grain like this, or at least I don't. You might, I don't. But the closest example I could think about this is coffee beans, okay? Now, listen, <clears throat> some of us just buy coffee beans at a normal, like, a store, okay? Others of us who take our coffee more seriously might go to a coffee shop where only the certain coffee beans will do. Are any of you in this room? I think you are. It's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. But you would go and you would have a bag, right? You you would choose the size of a bag and you would say, would you fill that with coffee, please? Now, just imagine if this happened. You give the owner of the coffee shop the bag and they fill it with coffee beans, and that's what, you're, that's what you think you're buying. But instead of them just giving it back to you, they stop and they tamp it down. Until beans fill every, every square inch of that bag. And then they put more beans in. So much so that they can't even close the bag. So much so that beans are spilling out over the top of the bag as they hand it back to you. This is the image that Jesus uses about what it looks like when God gives mercy to his people. He is tamping mercy down into you so that it fills every square inch of who you are. So much so that it is spilling out of you wherever you go. He gives you mercy and he calls us to become a people who are generous with mercy. Just as mercy has been given to us, so we give mercy freely to others. And this mercy that he... Do you notice this is what Jesus is aiming at the whole time? He is talking about... He is not just talking about how we judge each other. He is talking about how we become a community who care well for each other with such generous, extravagant mercy. This is what he's talking about when he talks about blind people leading blind people. He he is saying that our tendency to judge each other isn't because we have some kind of gift or like special gift to be able to uh, have special insight into the flaws of other people. He's saying that that's actually evidence of a kind of spiritual blindness, that we are blind to mercy. But he is calling us to be a people who administer mercy and care for each other well. And he uses the, the image of caring for each other in this, you know, really interesting uh, example of specks in our brother's eye and logs in our own eye. Did you catch that? He, he uh, verse 40. But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? Now look, I tend to think that Jesus is drawing on his experience as a carpenter 
when he says this, okay? These are like references to wood and, you know, specks in eyes. That speck in your own eye could be translated splinter or a piece of sawdust or even a moat. It could be any one of those things, okay? But these are like carpentry terms. The, the, the word that's translated log in our translation, it, that one's a really difficult one to translate. It could be any number of things. Some translations have the word Describe a load-bearing beam, like the main beam in the construction of a house. He's he's not just talking about a large piece of wood. He's talking about like the largest piece of wood that you can imagine. And this is a this is really a powerful illustration for all kinds of reasons. It's clear he's using like hyperbole when he says this. It's also possible that Jesus might be being a little funny. That's possible too. I like to imagine that that's the case. But this is a really powerful illustration for so many reasons. Let me give you two. First, because it humbles us. First, because it humbles us. Listen, have you ever had something stuck in your eye? I'm sure you have at some point in your life, okay? Something stuck in your eye. Have you ever had that? Can you remember it? You remember how awful that was? Like, everything stopped. I have a friend who's a machinist, and he once got a piece of filament stuck in his eye, and he's like, I can't do anything else. I can't do anything else until this is taken care of. It, it just immobilizes you. And what's worse is that you can't take it out yourself. In fact, what's weird is you, it's in your eye, but on the other hand, you can't see it because... It's in your eye. You're actually seeing past it, which is what Jesus is describing and seeing past this log and seeing things in other people. That's what it's it's like when something's stuck in your eye. But it's this state of needing, needing powerful and yet gentle help in dealing with this big thing that's in your eye. Why? Because, because the eye is an incredibly sensitive place, right? And it's going to require gentle, skilled, merciful help in order to remove that log from our eyes without causing any more damage. And we can't do it to ourselves. It's humbling. He's saying this is, this is our state. But listen, this illustration is also incredibly hopeful. It's incredibly hopeful. Because Jesus is saying logs get taken out of eyes. He's saying it's possible. It's possible to heal this state that we have of all these logs in our eyes. uh, That that it's possible that this this merciful, gentle treatment to a very sensitive place that we are is, is available to you and to me. Let me ask you, when I read that verse, 37 and 38, did it almost feel like mercy was transactional? Give and it will be given to you. Like the generosity of God is dependent on our generosity to each other. It can kind of feel that way when you read it. But listen, that's not how mercy works. What is mercy if not the giving of something we don't deserve? How could we call it generous if we had to earn it? When you become a Christian, it's not because 
you suddenly realize, it's because you started to realize that there was this unbearable weight that we carry and we live in deep need of, of the mercy of God that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And Jesus, listen, think about mercy and judgment. Jesus wins mercy for us by standing in the way of judgment. He deals with the plank in our eye by being nailed to a plank. And this mercy that's shown to you at the foot of the cross, he gains mercy for you, and now he is simply calling you and me. We can withhold judgment, learn to practice mercy by looking at Jesus together. And listen, that is how we learn to attend to the specks in each other's eyes. That's how we learn to care for each other. And that's what we want, isn't it? When people, when people look at Christian communities, don't we want them to see a bunch of people who are learning how to love each other well? We learn to love each other by pointing each other. This is where Jesus says a student becomes like his master. We become more and more like Jesus, the one that we love, the one who gave himself to us. Generous in the giving of mercy to each other. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, what wonder it is that Jesus came to us. Would you hold our hearts in mercy? Help us to respond to the call that you give us. Help us to enjoy mercy. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.